Now, I am really, really enthusiastic about what I'm teaching you today. And, and in fact, I thought, should I just wait to another week? Because I know some of you already, you're distracted or whatever. I'm going to talk to you about the power of covenant. The power of covenant. We'll, we'll look at that covenant that God has with us. But we're really going to look at the covenants that we have with one another. Those which are known and formal. And those which are not known and that we are in covenant with people without even realizing it. A lot of you know that a guy named Brent Batson discipled me years and years ago, uh, almost 35 years ago. What do I mean by disciple? He taught, he taught me how to read the Bible and how to pray. Because, see, we learn how to follow Jesus when we're self-feeders and we're following him uh, for him. And, and we're in friendship with Jesus. And so he taught me how to do that. So I was like 12 years old and Brent was only 19 years old. He didn't know what he was doing um, starting this discipleship group. A lot of times God uses us the most when we don't know what we're doing. Uh, you know, when we think we have it all figured out, we're like, hey, I know how to do this ministry. And we, we sometimes don't accomplish all the spiritual fruit we need. But when we're like, hey, God, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to get some kids together and we're going to read the Bible and we're going we're gonna to figure things out. So that's what Pastor Brent did. And so he, he taught us this handshake. And I'm going to have Josh work his way. Josh is in this empty sanctuary. And he like, as soon as I was about to use him, he took off the opposite direction. I'm like, no, this is not time for a bathroom break. So I taught Josh this handshake that Brent taught us years ago. And it's just really kind of a silly handshake that you would use in a club or something. It went like this. So that, that's how that is. So here's the deal. Stay up here. I know you want to get away, but you got to stay up here. So that's just some kind of corny handshake. And honestly, if someone saw me doing that, like on the street, I would be embarrassed that I did that. But here's what made it powerful. Brent taught us to say this to each other. These, these are junior high kids, this. I am committed to you. And so, yeah, yeah, you can leave now. You're not committed anymore to the handshake. But this, this was a powerful thing. It started out as this cute thing, I am committed to you. And as we started saying that to one another, it became a form of a covenant and we did not even realize it. In fact, the Lord reminded me of this over the weekend. And I contacted Brent and said, do you remember the handshake and do you remember what we said? Now, that's the power of the covenant. Notice that I contacted him because 35 years later, we're still involved in each other's lives. Why? Because when we were kids, he was a young adult and I was a kid and we didn't know what we were doing. We just loved Jesus. We had this covenant we made with one another that said, I am committed to you. And so it was informal, but now that I look back on it, it was somewhat formal. So now let's talk about what is a covenant. And as I said last week, there's all types of definitions of what a covenant is. And theologians love to, to kind of talk through ancient covenants. And we can learn a lot of good things from that. In fact, our story today will uh, be about an ancient covenant. But here's a definition if you want to write this down. A covenant is a sacred kinship bond between two parties. And think about that word kinship. That word means family bond. It's like we are full of family. We are bonded. And it's when two parties agree to come together in agreement. And it, it is saying we are bonded as if we're family. We are in covenant. We will always be friends, or we will always be committed to each other, or we will always be in this 
together. Obviously, and you're going to hear this several different times today, marriage is a prototype of a covenant, but it's not the only covenant. Uh, We as believers are in covenant with one another if we choose to be, and we're in covenant with our local church. So a human covenant is when two parties of equal power say, hey, we're going to voluntarily be in committed relationship with each other, or we're going to commit to this bond together. That's a human covenant. A divine covenant, think about the word divine, that means God. God's covenant is not initiated by two people, it's initiated by one, and that is God. God is the one who says, I am choosing to be in covenant with you. God is saying, I have set my love on you. I have set my power upon you. I've set my grace. I've chosen you. I am choosing to be in covenant with you. A human covenant is conditional. You see, some, that little discipleship group of 35 years ago, there are some in that group I'm not in contact with anymore because somewhere along the way that covenant fell away. It was conditional. God's covenant to us is one-sided in the sense that he's the one who initiated it and he's the one that's promised to fulfill it, fulfill it and God will not change his mind. God will not turn his back upon his covenant people. That's the power we have in walking with him. So here's a scripture about that. Hebrews chapter 9, starting with verse 15. That is why he is the one who mediates, and look at that phrase, a new covenant. That's what Jesus did. Not, not, there's an old covenant and there's a new covenant between God and people so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of sin they had committed under the first covenant. So here's the deal, guys. We are covenant people But most of us don't even realize that. Like it's a nice word. It feels nice. Some churches are named with the word covenant, but we don't understand the power of it. We are covenant people. And really most of our covenants are informal. That's just the way our culture is. We don't necessarily formalize them, but we are are naturally in covenant with people when we're committed in friendship with them. Our formal, our our. Our, our formal covenants that we do have, we often don't recognize those as covenants in our culture. See, we're in a society that loves individualism. And to be honest with you, that's one of the things I love about our culture too, is that we have individual expression and, and we have individual choice and we have individual rights. And I don't take those for granted. Those are very important. And that is a, a, a genesis of who we are as a people in the United States of America. But like any good thing, any good thing can have, you know, it can have negative repercussions because of that. And so one of those negative impacts is this, is that we don't often see ourselves as covenant people. Because if we're in covenant with people, we wrongly believe we lose options. It's like, I don't want to be in covenant because I don't want to be locked in. I don't want to be in covenant because I might change my mind or change my preference. And so instead of really 
acknowledging the covenants that we're already in, we, we try to position ourselves as like these free agents and free spirits who can't be, can't be categorized or can't be limited. And I, I want you to see today that the power of covenant in your life is going to release new things in you that are going to change your life. Uh, decades ago, a long time ago, there was this movie called City Slickers with uh, uh, Billy Crystal was a star of it. And he was, he was out on, on a cattle drive and he was with all these other men and they were on this cattle drive and they're around the campfire and they're talking a hypothetical situation. And the hypothetical situation is this. And we probably have some kids watching, so I'll try to clean up my language here. If there was a supermodel and you had a hall pass, which meant, you know what it means. It meant that you can participate with the supermodel and never have any negative consequences to that action. Like, there's no way your wife could find out and there's no way anyone could find out you did that and it would just be free and it would be non-consequential. And so this, this hypothetical situation came around the campfire. And so the, the answer is, you know, the, the thought is, well, of course you would say, yeah, I would do that. No, no problem. But the character played by Billy Crystal, who was married, said this. He said, no, because there's something about it that just doesn't feel right. Now, he didn't talk about covenant marriage at that time. He didn't talk about that, but he felt that. And he felt the power of that is that when you're in covenant with someone, even when you're not in direct relationship, you're not directly with that person, and you're not with that person in that time and space, you're in covenant with them, so it changes your behavior. Um, so today we're going to look at this story. And we're going to look at the story from Scripture of Jacob and Laban. And these two characters, Laban is the father-in-law and Jacob is the son-in-law. And I want you to see this both as an allegory and as truth that is established. Truth that is established. And here are some of the key verses. And we'll go back and look at the whole passage. But I want you to see these key verses. Genesis chapter 31, starting with verse 44, it says it this way. Come now, let's make a covenant, you and I. And let it, let what? Let it, the covenant, be a witness between the two of us. So th this is, now this is where we're going today. We're going to look at the story of Jacob and Laban as an allegory to our lives of why we need to be covenant people. But also there's some actual truth within the story about covenants. And now I, I want to read the second key verse, which I believe are are, are, are some of the most beautiful words in the Bible. And as covenant people should be a guiding force to how we live. Verse 49 says it this way. May the Lord watch between you and me when we are out of each other's sight. Th those are beautiful words. May the Lord and may Yeshua, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob's God, May, may he watch between us when the two of us and be a witness between the two of us when we are apart, when we're out of each other's sight. And in that movie I mentioned, you know, I think that's instinctively what the character played by Billy Crystal felt. Like, yeah, even if I can get away with it with no earthly consequences, there, there's an unspoken bond 
that when I'm not around my spouse, there's still a covenant between us. But that's not just about marriage either. That applies to many, many things in life. It applies to uh, the parent-child relationship. It applies to business partnerships. It applies to spiritual connections. May the Lord watch over us when we're apart. May the relationship I have with you face-to-face be the same when you're not watching me. May the, thing, the way I talk to you in your face be the same when you're not around. This is the power of covenant people, that covenant people say we are in relationship with one another and we are real and we're authentic and, and, and we, the Lord is watching over us when we're not together. Thinking about spiritual connections, I think about one of my longtime pastors. I have several pastors, but uh, some of you know John McKenzie. He's been in my life again for 35 years. That same year, I met both Brent and John. And then I worked for John for nine years. So for nine years, my, I worked for John, which meant we literally talked every day. I mean, even when I was on vacation, we would interact every day. I probably annoyed Pastor John, but we did talk every day. And we were just in so deep friendship. These days, I go weeks without talking to him. But if I need him or he needs me, boom, we just pick up right where we left off. One of the reasons this occurs is there's, actually, there's a natural affinity and a natural friendship. And there, there's, a, there's common experiences that we had. But years ago, I actually told Pastor John, based off his character... Based off the special relationship we had, I told him, I said, you're going to be a lifelong pastor and mentor to me. I don't remember exactly where we were when I told him that. I don't remember the situation, but I verbalized that. And so now that we go weeks without talking at times, there, there's no um, wondering what type of relationship there is. There's no wondering, well, are we friends anymore? I don't wonder, is he still my pastor? Does he still care for me? Because we are in a covenant relationship that when we're apart, the Lord is watching over our relationship. And he doesn't have to worry about me talking bad about him. He doesn't have to worry about me not having his back, whether I'm in Tennessee or whether I'm back in Texas or whatever the case is, because we have that type of covenant relationship. So it's not just about marriage, even though marriage isn't a tremendous prototype. It is all types of relationships that, that matter to us and that are important to us. I love seeing um, old memories pop up on Facebook because we see pictures sometimes of formal covenants and we don't even realize it. First of all, anniversary pictures. The reason those pictures are so important is, well, we remember when we used to look better, that, that helps too. But, but second of all, we, we remember that day the relationship changed. Something formal happened on that day. I love the pictures of those who ha, have adopted children. And when they choose to, to put pictures of, of the judge and the family together, there's a formality to what God did in their hearts. And they're saying on that day, that covenant became Formal. Sometimes it's a document. You can see that uh, someone graduated from a university on this particular date. And they have all the rights 
of that degree. And it's formalized through uh, pictures of like, that's when we went on vacation. And I remember on that, that vacation, on the deck in Florida, we had a conversation and we, we decided then that, that we were going to, to have another child or that we were going to change careers or we were going to move closer to family or we were going to have a, a bi-weekly date night. And, and remember, that picture is reminding me of that commitment we made to each other. Those are the formal covenants that you are in that you may not even recognize. And then there are informal covenants that you've never spoken out, but in your heart, you, you said, hey, I'm going to be loyal to my local church. I'm going to be loyal to my neighbors. I'm going to be loyal to this city. I'm, I'm a Hendersonville guy. I'm a Gallatin girl. I, I'm, I'm a Westmoreland folk. I'm, I'm, I'm committed to the city. And even though you don't have to formalize that in your heart, there's a covenant there. So I want us to see from the scripture characteristics of a covenant that we're going to see in the scripture today. Here's the first one. It redefines a relationship. When you either recognize you're already in covenant or you formalize a covenant, it changes your relationship. Now, I want you to see this scripture, a summary of Jacob's relationship with Laban. Now get this, before the covenant. And I want you to see here, it wasn't very good. In fact, Jacob felt cheated by his father-in-law. The son-in-law felt cheated by his father-in-law. And so we start with verse 38 of chapter 31. It says, I have been with you these 20 years. Your ooze and female goats have not miscarried and I have not eaten the rams from your flock. That means he's been very fair is what he's saying. Verse 39, I, 39, I did not bring you any of the flock torn by the wild beast. I myself bore the loss. You demanded payment from me for whatever was stolen by day or by night. Therefore, I was, there I was, excuse me, the, the heat consumed me by day and the frost by night and the sleep fled from my eyes for 20 years in your household, I served you. 14 years for your two daughters, six years for your flocks. This guy sounds frustrated, doesn't he? And you have changed my wages 10 times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, the fear of Isaac had not been with me, certainly now you would have sent me off empty handed. In other words, he's saying, hey, if God hadn't taken care of me, you surely would not have taken care of me. But God has seen my affliction and my hard work, and he issued his verdict last night. So here we see a relationship that was unhealthy, a relationship in which there was a lot of misunderstanding, and on Jacob's side, there was a lot of resentment. This was a relationship before the covenant. You know, many relationships that we're in, we're in them because of proximity. I mean, we're, we're next to our neighbors because we bought the house and they happen to live there. You know, we're, we're in a family, but we're not engaged with the family. So we're in some of these relationships because they have been imposed upon us. But we're not satisfied with the relationship. And in fact, we feel mistreated in the relationship. In this particular case, this was being communicated from Jacob to Laban. He's saying, hey, things are not going good. I'm out of here. This is where Laban, as the one who has the power in this relationship dynamic at the time, says we need to change things. Things need to change from this point forward. We need to make something different starting right now. We need to formalize a new direction in our relationship. And so here's number two. 
Number two is a, a, a covenant transcends normative relationships. So it takes what a normal relationship is between an uncle and his nephew or between two people that are in a 242 group together. Our normal relationship between a pastor and a board member. Our normal relationship between a grandparent and a grandchild. Our normal relationship between neighbors and friends. And it says, okay, we're going to take what is the norm. And now, through the Lord, we're going to go deeper together. And we're going to go deeper in a relationship. And, and it starts in people's hearts. And it often spills over into formality. So this is where Laban asserted himself in verse 30, excuse me, verse 43 of Genesis 31. Then Laban answered Jacob, the daughters are my daughters, the children my children, and the flocks my flocks. Everything you see is mine. But what can I do today for these daughters of mine or for the children they have born? Now here, here's the key verse, a key verse here, 44. Come now, Let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it, let the covenant, be a witness between the two of us. And and I I see this as a powerful, a powerful shift in the relationship. We don't know all of the dynamics. We, we, We can assume many dynamics from the scripture. But we know that at a certain time, there was a misunderstanding. There was a gap. There was a miscommunication. And Jacob said, Hey, things are not working out for me. And Laban said, okay, now I understand. From this point forward, we are going into covenant together. We are going into agreement together. And the covenant itself is going to watch over us when we're not together. I I want to speak to blended families because there are so many blended families that are in our culture and in our society. And so many of you are watching this as grandparents, parents, parents. Adult children are minors right now who are watching this and you're saying, like, like we have, are, are, have been put together. This wasn't the natural intent. This wasn't what was going to happen originally. But life circumstances, whether it's death or divorce or whatever the case is, has blended a family together. And there's an era of time before you that you're in. And you can choose to be um, cohabitants of a home or you can choose to eat turkey together at Thanksgiving and open presents together for Christmas and call that family. Or you can change the direction of your blended family like Laban did with Jacob and said from this point forward, from this point forward, there's a covenant. And the covenant is going to watch between us. This this is a powerful understanding that it's really your choice to be in covenant between people. God gave us, he's the one who chose us. He initiated covenant between himself and his people. But among his people, you can choose whether or not you're going to go in covenant with your your blended family. And and I just feel like the Holy Spirit wanted some of you to to let this scripture change your perspective on what's, what's happening in your family. People of CIL Church, you are in covenant with one another If you choose to be, if you choose to be, I can't make you be in covenant with one another, but in your heart, you can say, God has called me to this spiritual house. And within this spiritual house, I am going to choose to be in covenant relationship with the people that I hear God's word with, with the people who I share the common cup 
and the, and the bread of the Lord. I'm going to grow with this group of people. I am not a consumer looking for the best Sunday morning experience. I am a covenant partner called to a spiritual family. And part of my growth is, is dealing not just with the successes of the church, but also helping the church overcome adversity. And how many know that adversity comes through relationships, through the friction that happens when we, when we spend more time together? And, and if you read the New Testament, the New Testament is primarily about relationships. It's primarily about how we function under the Holy Spirit's leadership relationally. Years ago, a few years ago, we, we, we had a Wednesday night Bible study that met in one of the Sunday school classrooms. And, um, and it was, you know, 20, 25 of us would meet. Van Hoy, who's a, b- a big part of our church, you know, he had spoken to really, really, you know, large groups of people in, in, a, in a lot of impressive venues. And I asked Van if he would share with our, our little Bible study of 20 or 25 people. And I said something like this to condition him. I said something like, well, I know this is probably not a big deal to you, Van, because you've spoken here and you've spoken there and, and you've been in these big crowds, but would you share your testimony at the, the Bible study? And Van said, oh, he said, it is a big deal because these are people that I hear the word of God with on a weekly basis. These are people that I'm accountable to. These are people that I'm growing with. And so it is a big deal to me. And I thought about that story, getting this message together, because we definitely undervalue the spiritual family we're in. And, and we can be in covenant with one another if we choose to be. If you want to just be from, from the, distant from the people that you go to church to, that's okay, and I still want you to come. I'm not going to say, don't come. You know, come on. we got plenty of seats for you, especially this morning. We have plenty of seats this morning. But, but I'm saying that if you choose, and I'm calling you to choose, you can say, like, I'm in covenant with these people, and I'm going to be in covenant with them, good or bad, beautiful or ugly, preferable or challenging, and watch what God does. He'll begin to watch over our relationships with one another, even when we're not together. Number three, I'm going to bring up this point from the scripture. Often, covenants are established through symbol and ceremony. Uh, this, This goes back to, this isn't a big part of us as Americans necessarily. But other cultures within America understand the power of symbolism and the power of ceremony. I'll show you in the scripture how this, how this covenant was established through ceremony, or at least acknowledged through ceremony. Verse 48. Then Laban said, this mound is a witness between you and me today. Therefore, the place was called Galid and also Mitzvah. For he said, and here's the second key scripture I shared with you at the beginning of the message, these beautiful words, may the Lord watch between you and me when we are out of each other's sights. So they actually put a physical mound. So they would say, when we see that mound, even though we don't see one another, we're going to remember that the Lord is watching over us. Verse 50, if you mistreat my daughters or take other wives, though no one is with us, understand that God will be a witness between you and me. That, that's powerful. 
Laban also said to Jacob, look at this mound and the marker I've set up between you and me. This mound is a witness and the marker is a witness that I will not pass beyond this mound to you and you will not pass beyond this mound and this marker to do me harm. The, the, the physical symbol was a physical reminder, I'm not going to hurt Laban and Laban's not going to hurt Jacob. This, this is a powerful powerful understanding. In our days, where do we see these physical symbols? And I've already mentioned these, but I want to elaborate on them now. In weddings. That's why weddings are so important. I'm doing three weddings this spring. And all three weddings are people that I'm in relationship with and people that I'm close with and people that I know. And as our church grows, I know that may not always be the case, but if someone's at CIL Church and they're part of CIL Church, me or one of the other pastors will make sure that we're there to stand with them. And when we stand with them, the process to get there will become closer to them. And guess what that creates? It creates a memory. It creates a memory. It creates a date. It creates an anniversary. It creates witnesses. In most cases, the vast majority, it creates rings which are physical symbols of what God has done. And as a pastor, that's why weddings are important to me. That's why I I do get a little ruffled and and, and just irritated when people outside of the church, like they contact me and they're like, we've got the baker and we've got the caterer and we've got the wedding coordinator and we've got the photographer and we've got the venue. Those are all great things and all those people do great work for the glory of God. Oh, and we need a pastor now. As if, you know, we're, we're just, we're just going to just come in uh, just, to, just to make that 20 minutes meaningful. And so you can tell I bristle about that a little bit because weddings are their ceremony and symbol that mark a covenant. The state causes us when we, when we adopt children to go to the courthouse And the man or woman who is the judge, who are just like you and I, they're fellow citizens, they put on the robe and they hit the gavel and they say, now this child is is now part of this family. And we remember that moment and that child remembers that. Ordination services are powerful. When we recognize someone is called to the fivefold ministry as a pastor, teacher, prophet, apostle, or evangelist. We have a service. And it's been a few years. The last one we had was with Pastor Aubrey. And right here where I was standing, Aubrey and Jen and the kids were there. And we laid hands on him publicly according to scripture and said, we as a church are saying we acknowledge God has ordained this man for the work of the kingdom. We're not the ones ordaining him. God ordained him. But we are recognizing that. And that's why communion, when next Sunday when we're all together and we take communion, that's why it's important. Because the Lord says, I'm going to anoint the bread, I'm going to anoint the cup, and you're going to taste it, and, and you're, you're going to chew it, and it's going to, you're going to consume it, and it's going to become part of you. And no, it's not just bread, or it's not just a cup, it's my presence, and I'm saying to you, I'm in covenant with you. God's saying, I'm in covenant with you, and when you take the bread, and when you take the cup, I am taking a symbol, and I am formalizing that, and I'm saying this is something physical and tangible that can let you know you are mine. And as I told you last week, it says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's the power of being covenant people. Here's the last thing I want to share with you. Number four, and this is cool. 
A covenant prepares us to take new territory. It prepares us for the next step. It prepares us to move forward. Because none of us are independent. We think we are. But someone had to feed us. Someone had to clothe us. We all were vulnerable as infants and babies. And we were not able to, to take care of ourselves on our own. And so some, whether it was a parent, grandparent, whether it was a foster parent, somebody took care of you when you were helpless. Someone taught you how to read. Someone taught you how to do math. Someone taught you how to register your car once a year and drive through MARTA and get the inspection and, and go, go to the county and, and figure out how to, how to write a check and to make sure your car was legal for the next year. And on and on and on and on. We don't just, we don't just learn these things without people in our lives. And so covenant people means that we are interconnected and that God has put people in our lives to make us the people who we are. But guess what? When you're in covenant with people, it doesn't mean they own you. This is the part I think that scares us. We think, oh, if I'm in covenant relationship, they own me. Not true. When we're in covenant with people, they launch us. When, they're in, when, when, when we are in covenant with people, we stand on their shoulders and we launch in to what God has for us. Being in covenant with people and being in covenant relationship with a church or with a pastor or with a spouse or with another, another Christian brother or sister doesn't mean things will always stay the same. It means that God is preparing you for the next step, the next moment, the next place to go, the next territory to take, the next advancement. It's in front of you, it's before you, and it's happening not because you're avoiding covenant, it's because you are in covenant. That's the power of covenant. And we look at this in, in, in chapter 13. 32, verse 1 and 2. It says, and, and, and you've wrongly believed it's restricted you, but the Lord is saying you're going to go on your way and you're going to go to a new place after the covenant. After the covenant's the breakthrough. After the covenant is the new, the new pathway. After the covenant's a new authority. Now, going back to verse, 30, verse 1, I'm sorry. Jacob went on his way and God's angels met him. And when he saw them, Jacob said, this is God's camp. That's awesome. He's saying, this is where God's presence is. This is where God's hanging out. This is where I'm finding God's intention for my life. This is the place where God is stretching me. This is the place that God is giving me a name so that I could glorify his name. This is the place where I'm no longer under Laban's shadow, struggling for 20 years, being cheated, having a chip on my shoulder, feeling like I'm inferior, feeling like I've never had a chance and that I'm always going to be overlooked. No, it's saying I'm getting my relationships right under God. And because my relationships are right, now I'm moving forward into God's destiny for my life, to God's country, God's place of blessing, God's place of, of an expansion. It all happens with alignment. I hope you're encouraged today to not shake off covenant relationships, but to realize that covenant relationships lead you to God's best for your life. And now we've got to end with Jesus. We start with Jesus and we end with Jesus. I talked today about a covenant we choose to have between each other. But remember what I said at the beginning of this message. God's covenant was initiated by him. It was his idea. 
We didn't think up an idea and say, hey, God, we're going to create a religion. Come be part of our religion. God came up with a covenant that he created and he thought of and he chose us. And he said, I'm going to initiate this covenant. And when God initiates a covenant, he doesn't change his mind. When God initiates a covenant, he doesn't have a weakness in the plan that he has to adapt to. God's he creates a covenant. He says, it's yours. It's yours. I've chosen you. I've set it upon you. And there is a security in that. And there is a freedom in that. And there is a launching in that. Speaking of launching, it launches us into the good things of God. Here's my closing scripture today. I want to glorify Jesus with this closing scripture. Hebrews chapter 13, starting with verse 20. This is a blessing I speak over you now. Now may the God of peace who brought us up from the dead, our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood, look at this phrase, of the everlasting covenant, not the temporary covenant, not even the conditional covenant. That was the old covenant. It's an eternal, everlasting, it won't change, it won't wear out, it won't be stolen, it won't be corrupted, it won't, it won't leave us when we need it the most. It's an everlasting covenant from God, initiated by God, and that gives us freedom to be his covenant people. May he, through the blood of Jesus, verse 21, equip you with everything good to do his will, working in what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory forever and ever. And if you're sitting at your home or you're driving your car or you're, or you're at work, wherever you're at, would you say amen with me? One, two, three. Oh, I felt it. I'll say it again. One, two, three. Amen. God bless you.